everyone, Aunt Lizzie here. I so want to bring a smile to your lips and a warmth to your heart by dishing up some of the fun things from behind my bifocals with humorous and uplifting stories just for you. Hey, I don't intend to go on forever. These podcasts are planned to be short and sweet. Sometimes, though, folks, I do get carried away. It's just a wee warning for you. Today, we're going to talk about the secret to living to an old age from the lips of a hundred-year-old woman. And then a story about how things are not always as they seem. Our Clara is going to share with you about her experience that she's aptly named the Wild Girdle Blues. Hey, I could write a song about that one, but you didn't know I dabbled in music too, eh? Perhaps some of you younger gals out there can't relate to girdles like us older ones can. But I know many of you have experienced that Spanx thing. Boy, I could tell you tales about that one for sure, but I'll let Clara have her own sharing. But you'll get the picture. And well, we'll finish off with four worms and a lesson to be learned. Holy cow, you won't want to miss this one. So let's get on with it. Here, I guess, is the secret of old age from the lips of a hundred-year-old woman. A hundred-year-old woman was asked what she thought contributed most to her longevity. For better digestion, I drink beer. In the case of appetite loss, I drink white wine. In the case of low blood sugar or pressure, I drink red wine. In the case of high blood pressure, I drink scotch. And when I've got cold, I drink schnapps. When do you drink water? I've never been that sick. (laughs) Really, I wonder what I could use instead of beer. More wine? How about pink wine? (laughs) Oh, these things, you know what? I have such fun with them. (laughs) I don't know why I just do. You know, sometimes things aren't not always as they seem as it would seem in the following. A man and his dog were walking along the road. The man was enjoying the scenery when it suddenly occurred to him that he was dead. He remembered dying and that the dog walking beside him had been dead for years. He wondered where the road was leading them. After a while, they came to a high white stone wall along one side of the road. It looked like fine marble. At the top of a long hill, it was broken by a a tall arch that glowed in the sunlight. When he was standing before it, he saw a magnificent gate in the arch that looked like mother of pearl, and the street that led to the gate looked like pure gold. He and the dog walked toward the gate, and as he got closer, he saw a man at the desk to one side. When he was close enough, he called out, Excuse me, where are we? This is heaven, sir, the man answered. Wow, would you happen to have some water? The man asked, of course, sir, come right in and I'll have some ice water brought right up. The man gestured and the gate began to open. Can my friend, gesturing toward the dog, come in too? The traveler asked. I'm sorry, sir, but we don't accept pets. The man thought a moment and then turned back toward the road and continued the way he had been going with his dog. After another long walk and at the top of another long hill, He came to a dirt road leading through a farm gate that looked as if it had never been closed. There's no fence. 
As he approached the gate, he saw a man inside leaning against a tree and reading a book. Excuse me, he called to the man. Do you have any water? Yeah, sure, there's a pump over there. Come on in. How about my friend here, the traveler, gestured to the dog. Well, there should be a bowl by the pump, said the man. They went through the gate, and sure enough, there was an old-fashioned hand pump with a bowl beside it. The traveler filled the water bowl and took a long drink himself, and then he gave some to the dog. When they were full, he and the dog walked back toward the man who was standing by the tree. What do you call this place? the traveler asked. Well, this is heaven, he answered. Hmm, well, that's confusing, the traveler said. The man down the road said that was heaven, too. Oh, you mean the place with the gold street and pearly gates? Nope, that's hell. We're just happy that they screen out the folks who would leave their best friends behind. <laughs> of course, this wee story is not real, but the message is, always look for the truth, even if it otherwise appears different or perhaps hidden. Today, I have the privilege of interviewing our resident columnist, Clara. Hi there, Clara. Hi there, Aunt Wesley. Thanks for inviting me on. Well, anytime. You seem to have a way with words. Our audience is asking for more of you, so we'll start with this story you tell us. It's about a girdle? I'll do just that, but before I do, just because you young gals think you never experienced girdles, only us old dames, I'm here to tell you I've experienced that spandex. Well enough said. <laughs> oh yes, I remember those girdles, and yes, since I've become modernized, I've tried spandex, but I'll soon, I, oh, I can't even, the spandex got me. I'll say no more, as this is your story about girdles. Well, thank you. Now on with the wild girdle blues, my real life story. My hubby, well, now he's my husband, and I were invited to go to a wedding. Clem isn't the fancy kind, so we don't much go anywhere where I have to get all gussied up. But this was one of those times and I knew I'd have to put on a dress. Well, that must have been a chore. We don't much see women in dresses anymore. The last time I wore a dress, Clem and I threw a surprise anniversary in the barn for my outlaws. And my varicose vein legs were sticking out for the world to see. I wanted to wear my coveralls, being barn and all, but old Clem insisted I wear a dress to look like a lady, he said. I know who he is talking about, sure wasn't me. Well, I guess I could see your point, especially being in the barn and all. That was not a day I wanted to remember. So when it was all over, I threw that darn dress in the bottom of the old rotten cedar chest the outlaws had given us when Clem and I were churched. So this was a day it had to be revived from that musty old place. Other than a few wrinkles, it looked in good shape. The only thing out of shape was me. It was clear from the start that the darn dress had shrunken in that old chest as it hardly go over my head, and it got stuck on my chest. Well, my boobs, like, let's be honest. And no amount of teasing and coaxing would convince it to go over my belly, let alone my hips. I barely got the darn dang thing off. 
<laughs> Things have a way of doing just that, Clara. Well, this dress fitting brought to mind when I was going to my first prom. My mother had bought a new dress for me, sort of tight, but I thought if I wore it round the house, it'd stretch. Somewhat like tight jeans. I had to get into a pair of silk stockings. You remember? The kind with a darn seam going up the back. Well, that's for those of you who remember. Oh, I remember so well. That seam had to be lined perfectly going up the middle of your calves. Right. Now, the only way to hold them up was a garter belt. Or a girdle, and I knew the only way I was going to look decent was to get into a girdle. I realize this is not going to be an easy task. Because with a body like mine, well, I was a wee bit chubby at the time. You grunted, you heaved. You held your breath to the count of 50. Laid on a bed and wriggled, trying to get that boomerang elastic thing on. <laughs> and oh yes, tried to breathe normally. Yup, mission accomplished meant you looked like you had a skinny tummy and hips. But the extra few pounds went to your chest to make you look like a oven top and a triple E. Sometimes those spare pockets of fat rocketed up to my chin. That's how we women developed the double chin. Now, if it went south, it squeezed out below the girdle itself. I was the only gal in town with rolls that hung down to her knees. Now, add that to the problem of pulling on those darn stockings. I had to roll those dainty old things down so I could insert my calloused feet into them. But first, I had to bend over to reach my feet. I was lucky to be able to breathe, let alone twist around to make sure that black seam was straight. When that all finished, I felt great. <laughs> but boy, oh boy, I remember, after I went through all of that, who the heck felt like doing or going anywhere? Hi! Do you know where they came up with the idea for the barbershop red stripe flagpole? I mean red stripe flagpole. I can't get my teeth around the words, it seems. Red stripe flagpole. That's it, and that was from me. They copied that design from the red welt marks left around my legs. When the elastic in the girdle broke, loose from the pressure of trying to hold the whole of me in one shapely place. To top it off, those darn stockings stayed hooked to the girdle. They wrapped around my legs like a spinning tub with my toes bore holes through the soles of the stockings. It was those darn stockings that left those welts after they exploded and went airborne from the sheer speed and landed along with that elastic torture chamber on the chandelier. <laughs> it's a wonder you didn't spin away with them. Well, I let out a gush of breath and tore a hole in my prom dress. When I looked up, I saw two brown things hanging from the underbelly of the lake. It reminded me of our pet cow, Crockett, just after she'd been milked. I knew then I had to do some major overhauls to the prom dress, but considered myself lucky when I examined myself in the mirror and realized I still had my teeth. That memory was too much. I couldn't face another trial like that, so I declined the wedding invite. Seems the only thing I can fit into now is the earrings I wore in high school. 
And how was your day? Or week or month? Bye for now. Miss Claire signed off. Thank you as usual, Clara. You're priceless. Now here's a lesson you can learn from four worms. A minister decided that a visual demonstration would add emphasis to a Sunday sermon. Four worms were placed in four separate jars. The first worm was put into a container of alcohol. The second worm was put into a container of cigarette smoke. The third worm was put into a container of chocolate syrup. The fourth worm was put into a container of good, clean soil. At the conclusion of the sermon, the minister reported the following results. The first worm in alcohol, dead. The second worm in cigarette smoke, dead. Third worm in chocolate syrup, dead. Fourth worm in good clean soil, alive. So the minister asked the congregation, what did you learn from this demonstration? Olive was sitting in the back and she quickly raised her hand and said, as long as you drink, smoke and eat chocolate, you won't have worms. That pretty much ended the service. I'll finish off this episode with some quotes. I'm not sure where I heard this, but thought it great. Life isn't about waiting for the storm to pass. It's learning how to dance in the rain. We cannot direct the wind, but we can adjust our sails. I'd love to hear from you. And if you would, please send me an email at liz at lizunderhill.com. You might have some stories of your own that would be uplifting to our listeners and would like to share. Please send a story in the subject line. I promise not to harass you with tons of emails wanting you to buy anything and I'll keep your email safe. And don't forget to subscribe to the Chatterbox at www.lifewithauntlizzie.com to get your free personal subscription before it goes online. Meanwhile, take care, keep smiling. Until the next time, bye for now.